This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Unfortunately, we are coming off of what was an embarrassing loss. And listening to Gerard Gallant, he's obviously ticked off with what his team did today. Rangers up 3 nothing, heading into the final period and then allow not one, not two, not three, but four straight unanswered goals in that final period to lose and fall at home to the Edmonton Oilers. So uh, one of the worst losses uh, that, that you're, that you're going to see for this Ranger team who now falls to 10-8 and 4 in the season. Meanwhile, the Oilers are at 11-10. and 10, So uh, that, that, that's a rough one right there. That's, that, that's a game you're watching. If you're a Ranger fan, you think you've got this one in the back. And I think I heard Dave Maloney, uh, Dave Maloney uh, on the call or – or I can't remember who it was who said it, uh, whether it was on TV or on radio, because I actually was, was listening to the game on the radio and then watched it on TV. But the Oilers had, what, been shut out in five straight periods? So for them to have that type of offensive explosion uh, to stun the Rangers at home, uh, that, that one has to hurt. Uh, so hopefully this is a game that uh, the Rangers can recover from. They will play on Monday night at home against the New Jersey Devils. So uh, we'll we'll take your phone calls on that if that's something that you're interested in talking about. At 800-919-3776, we will get into the football as well. Week 12 already in action. We had three games on Thanksgiving Day. The Bills winning at the buzzer over the Lions. So they end that skid that saw them lose back-to-back games to the Jets and Vikings. They're back in the win column. The Cowboys come from behind to beat the Giants 28-20. to That was 21 unanswered points for Dallas in the second half before the Giants scored a late touchdown. So they are just two games back of, of the Eagles now in that NFC East. Still alive for, for the division. They'll play the Eagles one more time the rest of the way. And then the final game we saw the Vikings beat the Patriots. Uh, by a touchdown, and it was it was a a huge huge penalty on New England, a a running into the kicker penalty that gave the Vikings back the ball in that fourth quarter, and Kirk Cousins was able to march them down for a touchdown to win the game. So that that's a good win, not for the Vikings but for the Jets as well, because now the Jets are back in third place in the AFC East. Uh, so we would we'd be all over the football Jets tomorrow afternoon at home against Chicago. Still waiting to see if Justin Fields will be on the center for the Bears. But, you know, we do know Mike White is going to start, so we'll have to break down what exactly happened and get your thoughts on Zach Wilson being benched. And I have a question uh, to, to pose to Giants fan. Is, is this team good? Are the Giants a good football team? I was listening to my guy Dave Rothenberg on his morning show today get into it with a caller because Dave's saying, you know, the Giants, they're not, they're not good. They're not a good football team. They're not bad, but they're, they're you know, they're, they're a decent team, not, not good. They are not what the record would suggest that they are. And then, you know, a, a Giant fan took exception to that going back and forth with him. So I thought that was an interesting conversation that I would love to d- dive into later on. 800-919-3776, Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. But we do have to start with... The game last night at the Garden between the Knicks and the Blazers. Because now we're getting to a point where we understand what this team is. And we realize that there is no real expectation that they're going to 
do something magical that they're going to get into the playoffs and win a round or be any team outside of a play-in game. But I ask, where do we direct the blame now? Because the Knicks, I, I watched them last night, and I don't believe that I'm looking at a team that isn't well-coached. And, and the knee-jerk reaction is to blame Tom Thibodeau because you're not just losing games, but defensively, you're a train wreck. And that's his calling card. But my my retort to that would just simply be, who are the guys on this roster you're depending on defensively to get it done? I was listening to Wally Zerbiak during that game last night. And by the way, Mike Breen, he is just simply fantastic. He had a November game between the Knicks and Blazers sounding like it's the second week of June in the NBA Finals. He's the GOAT. But I listened to Wally, and, uh, and on a, a five, the, you know, a couple of possessions late in the game, he's saying they're targeting R.J. Barrett. The Blazers are trying to get a switch that involves R.J. Barrett and attack him. And R.J. is supposed to be a pretty good defender that the Knicks are relying on. So if, if Thibodeau doesn't have the necessary pieces in place to help him become a good defensive unit, I just don't understand why there is a tendency to blame him. I guess I do understand it because, once again, that's his calling card, so it's ultimately going to fall on him. But I, I just don't think he, he that this, the, the roster construction is benefiting him. You've got Mitchell Robinson, who is an, uh, an elite rim protector. His problem is staying healthy and, and, and staying, out of foul, you know, staying out of foul trouble. Even Jericho Sims had a couple of big block shots late in the game. So I think as far as rim protection is concerned and uh, having that safety net when guards penetrate and blow past the, the Knicks' backcourt, they can do a good enough job to erase some of those mistakes. But I just don't see a team that is rife with enough talent offensively and defensively to blame Tom Thibodeau. I, I don't watch the Knicks and think, yeah, this is a coaching issue. You bring someone else in, they're going to be markedly better. That's not what I'm watching. But last night, I mean, that's a game that just sucks the life out of what was a successful West Coast trip for the Knicks. Because think about where we were heading into that trip. The beginning of last week. It was... This could ultimately be the death nail in the coffin of the head coaching position for, for Tom Thibodeau. Because you've got Utah, Denver, Golden State, Phoenix, and Oklahoma City. That has 0-5, 1-4 written all over it. Because because remember, in two of your previous losses, you had been embarrassed by the Nets, and then Oklahoma City put it on you, scoring a buck forty-five. So you go into that West Coast trip, and you're thinking, man, this could be this could be it for Tom Thibodeau. But then the Knicks started off with wins in Utah and in Denver, albeit against a a Denver team that was playing without Nikola Jokic, who was in COVID protocol. But you start off two and zero. Feeling pretty good. You dropped the game against Golden State, predictably, even though the, the Warriors at that point had been a mess, 
they're, they're now playing better of late. Clay Thompson looks like he's finding his shooting stroke again. Steph Curry just continues to be, you know, on a different level. But you lose that game to the Warriors. You lose to, to the Suns with no Chris Paul. But even with no Chris Paul, the Suns have, uh, have been pretty good in his absence. No Cam Johnson as well. So you're 2-2. Two and two. And it, all, that pivotal final game of the road trip played in Oklahoma City against a team that had just embarrassed you on your home floor. You found a way to get it done. So 3-2, and two, you feel great. A successful West Coast trip that could have gone in the other direction that you know ha- had the coach maybe getting a pink slip. You return home 3-2, and two, you'll take it. But then last night happens, and you lose to Portland with no Dame Lillard. And I understand the Blazers have been a pretty good team this year, but with no Dame in the lineup, that's a game you have to win if you're the Knicks. You have to win that game. You led by as much as 14, and then defensively just fell apart. So now the Knicks have lost four of five games at home and are back to being under 500 at 9 and 10 on the season. And it just feels like they're on this treadmill because we, we, we get down on them, and rightfully so, because of the product that we're watching on the floor. We question how long the head coach is going to keep his job. And then they win a couple games, and the, the, the fan base can just you know breathe a sigh of relief and be optimistic and say maybe this is what gets them going. But then you have a game, a stinker like last night. And you just wonder what the, the direction of this franchise is. Because people want to sit up there and blame the coach. I don't, I don't know how you're going to be good defensively with what they have out there. So now I take a look at where we at, where, where we're going to direct the blame. And that's what, I, that's what I'll ask the Knicks fans at 800-919-3776 and Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Where are we directing the blame for this team? Is it the head coach? Is it the front office? Or do we have to take a deeper look at the individual players on this roster who are expected to be carrying larger loads and some might just be falling short of expectations? So we'll dive deeper into that. 800-919-3776. Back with your phone calls once we return right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. I talked about the Knicks right now reacting to the Rangers suffering what was just a devastating loss just now at home. Led 3 nothing over the Oilers. It just completely fell apart in that final period. Uh, 4-3 was the final score. And, and this, this, as they were collapsing, you at least thought this was going to overtime. And then the Oilers were able to get that, that fourth goal with about two minutes left in the final period. So uh, that, that's, a, that's a rough loss. They'll be back in action on Monday night against the Devils. That pregame at 6.30, face-off set for 7 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. Talking about the Knicks, where, where are you pointing the blame right now as this team falls under 500 at 9 and 10 following that overtime loss uh, Anthony Sim- uh, Simons and, and Jeremy Grant last night looked like the second coming of Elgin Baylor and Jerry West they would they combine for 82 points Jeremy Grant scored 44 you know how many times Jeremy Grant in his, in his career has scored 44 or more points that would be zero so I had a career high last night. And uh, far too often, 
we watch guys come into the garden and just do something they've never done before. It's like a playground. Jeremy Grant puts up 44? That can't happen. And it should have been more, but he was missing a bunch of free throws. That's why the Knicks were able to hang around uh, in that fourth quarter and, and, and into overtime. He missed a bunch of free throws, and, and Chauncey Billups even joked after the game last night. He could have gotten to 50. Could you imagine Jeremy Grant? He scores 50 on the Knicks, which would have happened had he not missed the free throws. 800-919-3776. Robert's in Massachusetts. He leads us off today. What's up, Robert? Hey, Ty. How you doing? Doing well, man. What's up? Talk to me. Well, I want to talk about the Rangers. I, you know, I, I was tell, telling your producer, I, I was uh, out for a while. I put the game on tape delay, and I came on to record the game. Now, first of all, let me just mention the goalie interference call. That was ridiculous. I mean, Carpenter wasn't even near the goaltender. He didn't touch him. The puck was in the net by the time he crossed across the goal line. So that was ridiculous. That, that's got to stop with this goalie interference call. But I want to talk about the third period, specifically with 15 minutes left. Not only do you take stupid penalties, Ty, this team is so soft. You let Revo go. You let your enforcer go. And I'm not saying that Revo is a guy who's going to score points. And obviously, there's not enough room. But I am sick and tired. I've been a Ranger fan for 50 years. I am sick and tired of soft hockey. Can this team ever check a guy along the boards? How many times have I seen Connor McDavid circle the net and dry saddle circle the net? That was disgusting. You had a two-goal lead with nine minutes left. And then you take an idiot on penalty at the end of the – with two minutes left but knocking the guy's helmet off. I mean, this is ridiculous. You lost to the Ducks, the team you should have beat because you played Halak, who's horrible. And then Igor, all of a sudden, turns into Swiss cheese in the third period. I have no idea what's going on with this team. The leadership stinks. Panarin hasn't scored a goal since October 30th. He can't shoot. But, you know, he finally scores a goal, and they could call it an offside. But this is the most disgusting, embarrassing loss. You come off a loss to a team you should have beat, and you blow a three-goal lead in your own building? It's inexcusable. What yeah, is going a- on with this team? Yeah, that's Chris that's Drewy a... put the Chris Drewy could have signed for Toronto. They scored three goals today and lost. And collectively, this defense stinks. I don't care if it's Joel Edmondson, whoever it is. Keandre Miller is six foot five and can't hit the side of a barn. This guy needs an escort with Dewey Oxberger for crying out loud. I have never in my life seen a guy so big who plays so soft. I mean, why is this team so soft every year? They have the same type of players, too many of the same type of players. I want north-south guys that go up and down the wing and get in front of the net. I am so sick of seeing this team go east and west and east and west. It's just inexcusable. I'm sorry. Oh, Robert, and with, you know, I, I, and you, listen. I, I, and you give up the, I'm you, giving you the floor because you got to vent. So I'm going to let you get yeah, those ahead, words I'm Sorry, go ahead, man. I'll get your thoughts, man. Go ahead. No, uh, go ahead, go ahead. It. Uh, get get it off your well, chest, I mean, man. Why don't you call a timeout if you're down three two and you just gave up two goals in in what five minutes? Why don't you call a timeout, Gerard? Go out and get your team's crap together. I mean, this they're losing points. The Devils have won what thirteen of fourteen. The yeah, Islanders are on a roll now. It's, 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 it's the Islanders would never give up a three goal lead because the Islanders play defense. They don't skate around in their own zone chasing. How many times do you have to watch the Rangers chase the other team with one four checker going to the zone? Gerard Gallant likes to have them sit back and counterattack. Screw that system. I want Mike Keenan. I want an attack style hockey team that four checks into the zone and out and, and physically plays against the other team. It's so soft, this team. How many Panarins and Lafreniers and, and you know, only that, Panesh guys that, do you listen, need? Robbie, anyway, I'll get your Robbie, Thanks for Robbie, the time, Robbie, Robbie yep. I appreciate the yep. call. I appreciate the passion and the energy. Uh, <laughs> we, we're, what we're going to have to have happen before the Rangers play the Devils on Monday night is have Robbie give a passionate locker room speech. 
because, I mean, he's all fired up. And, look, a, a lot of people are going to look at some of the, the penalties and, and calls that were made that should not have been called. The fact of, of the matter is when you're, when you're up 3 nothing heading into the final period uh, against an Oilers team that had been struggling to score, it, that, that there is no excuse for that. That that cannot happen. But it's just so interesting to see that we're we're just not even one season removed. The Rangers were just in the Eastern Conference Finals, and you know, flying high. And now you get fans calling in. You know, they're questioning Galan and the, the GM, and you know, changes have to be made. So it just shows you how quickly things change. But that's an embarrassing loss for the Rangers. That is one that 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 should not on on any planet happen. Kevin in Virginia wants to weigh in. What's up, Kevin? Hey, I can't agree more with your last caller. I mean, today was a day I wish John Tortorella was the coach of this team because he would have come out and called guys out for being just god-awful. And it started in the second period, all this catching kind of hockey, sitting back, letting the other team skate around with the puck. It was just a huge embarrassment. And Gallant basically saying, yeah, I don't really know what happened out there, is not strong enough. I'm not sure if it's his time to go and they need to bring in another coach that's willing to to coach defensive hockey and aggressive hockey, like Robbie said. That was just pathetic. It makes me not even want to turn on the game Monday night. I mean, huge embarrassment. They showed no balls, for lack of a better word, and they should be looking in the mirror to well, a man, this team has appreciate been a the, disappointment the whole season. Appreciate the call, Kevin. I I, I don't know that we're going to go that far and you know question the the the, the head coach's job security uh, when he was just in the conference finals. I get the frustration, and the team certainly this year isn't performing the way that you would have hoped to start the season. And, and it starts with your best player, who last year Igor Shosturkin, uh, the goaltender, ha- has does not look like the same player he was last year. And, and and when you get a decrease in your production from your goaltender, that's going to ultimately affect the the entirety of the team. But I don't know if I'm going that far and, and questioning whether or not he should he should keep his job. That that to me feels a little premature. I'm I'm not a big hockey guy, so so maybe there are people out there who would disagree. But just me being an observer of this thing, I I don't know that a guy who was just coaching in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, should be getting called out, and, and folks should be saying he should be fired. Uh, Chad and Rockland wants to weigh in on the on the Knicks. What's up, Chad? Hey, Ty. Um, last night their loss. I think it was just down to X's and O's. All right, RJ is shorter than Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant took him to the hole all game. Forty points is a lot, but hey, that's the advantage. I'm holding Julius Randle and Leon Rose accountable. Julius Randle is playing on the perimeter too much. Why are you on the perimeter, dude? Get in the paint. That's what made you. Get your behind in the paint and dominate. Leon Rose is like the great odds. I was on board with keeping these guys here. I was on board with keeping RJ and Grimes. Maybe we should have put them in the trade now for somebody. We we because we need somebody that's box office. Jalen Brunson, he's more like an Iverson. He plays off the ball. Look at him last year with Luka. He played great when he was off the ball. We need a dominating scoring three or and and I guess trade some of the guys. And I love him. I don't want to say that, but Leon Rose, you got to step into the forefront and say something. Do something. He's like the Wizard of Oz. He's always behind the curtain. Always. Well, I appreciate the call, Chad. And listen, it, 
I'm with you on the fact that people need to be held accountable. And I would point it in in the direction of Leon Rose because this is, to me, more about the roster construction than it is about the coaching. Julius Randle has actually played pretty well this year. He's responded to what was uh, an abysmal performance the entirety of last season. He's responded pretty well. Uh, outside of a few stinkers, and defensively, he, he does leave so much to be desired. And the body language isn't always what you want it to be as a guy you should deem to be one of the leaders of this team. But if I'm pointing blame at someone, I think it has to go to R.J. Barrett. Because as we hit a break here at 800-919-3776, I want to know from you, are we watching the worst version of R.J. Barrett since his rookie season? Because it is quite fascinating when you go when you look at the dichotomy between what he was supposed to be, what people were actually calling him, this untradable asset can't include him in any trade for anyone. The dichotomy between that player and the one that we're currently watching. It is fascinating. So we'll hit on that when we come back. 800-919-3776. Tidy Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We're talking to you next right here on 1970 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Back to the phone lines, and we talk to Mike in Rockville Center. What's up, Mike? How you doing, Ty? Um, yeah, I completely point the blame at Leon Rose for this poorly constructed roster. If no one can hit a jump shot. Uh, I also uh, put the blame on R.J. Barrett. He's the same player from his rookie season, yet less efficient. Um, he doesn't make jump shots. He only plays on one side of the court. He can't go right. Um, we've been sold uh, you know, a, a bag of goods. He was supposed to be the, the, the savior, the franchise guy. But uh, right now, uh, he, he's looking like uh, we overpaid for him. Uh, I think his trade value is going down as we speak. And uh, I, I put the blame on him. What, what is he doing during the offseason? How is he uh, this far along in his career and he doesn't have a right hand? So, I, listen, I, I agree with everything you just said, and I appreciate the call. And the question I posed prior to the break was, is this the worst version of R.J. Barrett that we're seeing since his rookie season? Now, to your point, it, it's just – like, what we were told was, you know, this guy's going to be really good to great. Like, we're watching the development of a future all-star. And I argued that if the number three overall pick in the draft, who you're building your franchise around, who everyone keeps telling me you, you can't trade for anyone. Like, you have to keep him because he's your cornerstone piece. This is the foundation of, of your organization. He is not even coming close to being that player. And it's year four, and we're still having the same conversation that we had in years one, two, and three. At this point, the perennial all-star shows himself. And I argued R.J. Barrett had to, worst-case scenario, be a perennial all-star. Because in order for the Knicks to get to that next level and achieve any ounce of success and get back to contending, or back to, it's been a while, but get to the point where you're contending for championships, it is predicated on you having one of the 12 best players in basketball. And at no point have we seen in four years this guy being someone who could become a part of that group. Because you look at the contenders all around basketball, like coming into the year, who, who are the teams that we expected to compete for a championship? We were saying the Celtics. Why? Because they have Jason Tatum, one of the 10 best players in basketball. 
We were saying the Bucks. Why? Because they have Giannis, who is arguably the best player in basketball. We were talking about, you know, the Clippers. Because with a healthy Kawhi, when, when Kawhi Leonard is healthy, he's one of the five best players in the sport. Now, he, he hasn't been healthy this year, recovering from the torn ACL, and now he's dealing with the, the sprained ankle. So it's been a mess out, out in L.A. But Kawhi, when he's healthy, he's a top five player. The Warriors, could they repeat why? Because they employ Steph Curry, a top three player. The Mavs employ Luka Doncic, another top five player. So if you are ever to get to a point, the Nets with Kevin Durant. Now, so the list goes on and on. With Embiid, uh, if you are ever to enter into the gates of being a contender, it's just the way the sport works. You need to have one of the 12 best players in basketball. And if you're telling me that you can't trade R.J. Barrett for anyone, including Donovan Mitchell, who right now is playing really well for a Cavs team that is the third seed in the East, just three games back of the Celtics for number one. If R.J. Barrett is a guy that you can't trade, you need him to become better than what he is. So is he the worst? Is this the worst version we're watching since his rookie season? Well, I don't know. The numbers might suggest that he's shooting 39% from the field. That's the worst mark of his career. It's 26% from three. Also the worst mark of his career. A true shooting percentage of 49, which takes into account the value of three-point shooting, two-point shooting, and free throws. It's the worst since his rookie season, and he's averaging the most turnovers of his career. So all the numbers would suggest, and we're watching it with our eyes, that this is the, the worst version of R.J. Barrett since he come, he's, he's coming to the league. He had a stretch where he, what, missed 19 straight threes? And look, we, it, it's hard to for many people to kill him because he's such a nice guy and you're rooting for him, but it's year four. We have to see it at some point because like, we can't enter every year talking about potential and potential because then, like, it just, like, w when we get to this point, and we're still having a, a conversation about potential, maybe it's just never going to happen. Maybe it's just never going to happen. And I'm not saying he's a, a terrible basketball player, but what you need him to be, he's not even coming close to it. And that's a problem for this franchise. If he's not going to become what you need him to be, and that is a perennial all-star, then where are they going? Because as the caller mentioned, like you had a chance to trade him, when he was at his apex of, of, of trade value, and now that's just dissipating. He went six of six of twenty-two from the field last night, one of seven from deep. Over his last seven games, he's thirty-six of one fourteen. And that actually would be much worse if he wasn't awesome against the Thunder in the finale of that West Coast trip, where I believe he shot ten of sixteen from the field. And Hit a bunch of threes. So it's it's just it's 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 depressing in a sense of he's so likable, you root for him, and when RG Barrett is playing like this is the player the one guy on the roster and everyone loves, you know, Jalen Brunson. There's sort of a love hate relationship with Julius Randle. People love quickly and you know, Obi Toppin. But there is no one who gets more love for playing well than R.J. Barrett from the fan base. Because when he plays well and he shows you that, that potential that he, he can hopefully tap into, it just reinvigorates the, French, er, the fan base. It just gives them so much energy. Because now you start to project what could this team be going forward. The problem is he's just been pretty bad this year.
and I, I don't I don't know the confidence level that it's going to change so dramatically where we can go back to saying this is your franchise cornerstone. Two more hours coming up. Uh, Ty Butler going until 7 o'clock. Hit me up on Twitter, Ty D. Butler, 800-919-3776 on the phones. We will get to the football as well. Jets in action tomorrow against the Bears. Giants fell to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. We'll react to that and then go around the NFL for Week 12 with all the big games on the state. So still a lot to get to. Maybe do some Yankees as well. Uh, fans getting a little nervous about Judge meeting with the Giants, which to me makes no sense, but we'll talk about that. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Back in a moment right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We go back to the phone lines. Eddie in the Bronx. What's up, Eddie? Hey, what's up, TB? What's up, man? How you doing? Man, I'm... Um, I'm looking at one one point on the Knicks and one point um, on the Giants, if I might. Um, the Knicks, and I've been telling this to all my friends, I've been a Knicks fan for almost all my life. And um, I'm 46. And the glory days of John Starks and Ewing, and, uh, and that 99 run was nice, but we still never got a championship. At this point, you look at, this, you look at the roster and you say to yourself, are they capable of being a top seven team in the East? And you say barely. And then you look at the rosters of those teams in the top six. And the thing about it is you look at the way those rosters are constructed and you say to yourself, those teams aren't going, those players that are mainstays on those teams aren't (laughs) going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, listen, you're right. Because uh, you just go up and down the conference, the Celtics with Tatum and Brown, have been tremendous. They're going yeah. nowhere. They're young. The Bucks yeah. with Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday going nowhere. They might win the finals this year. The Cavs have Garland, Mitchell, and Evan Mobley. They're, yeah. they're going nowhere. Uh, the Hawks with DeJounte yeah. Murray and Trey Young. It looks like they might um, deal John Collins, but they're going nowhere. Sixers with Embiid no. and, and Harden and Maxi. So, yeah, it's loaded. It's loaded. And then throwing the Raptors with, with Scotty Barnes and, uh, and Pascal Siakam. Yeah, so so when you look at that, I would say, listen, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm being totally serious when I say this. What the previous caller said, unload it all. I'm looking at the 2027-2028 season. That's what I'm – and I know the Garden doesn't want to look at that. And I know a lot of Knicks fans like me, I'm saying to myself, I'm in my mid-40s. Some of us are probably not going to make it to see this team win the championship, but we got to start somewhere. <laughs> and the reality is, is I'm, I would get, you can get something for RJ. You probably not, you probably couldn't, you know, his trade you want to wait though. Yeah, you can't trade him but, now yeah, because he, wants, he just signed he an extension. So you're going to have to wait. Yeah. But you want to wait so, for, if I you mean, do trade him, wait for him to increase his value. Yeah. I mean, at some point, hopefully, and I know this may be a pipe dream, but Maybe you can win the lottery this year. Maybe. I don't know. The thing is, it's crazy things have happened. But, you know, the Knicks are like kind of like the Jets. They, they, even at certain points, you can't even lose right. It, it's yeah. just crazy. You, you lose all the time, but you can't lose right. Um, to my Giants, and I got to ask this question because I'm getting beat up about this. And that's the point is with Daniel Jones. I don't know if he's the guy. And people always say – after all this time, if you really don't know, the they answer knew. is no. Yes. That's and correct. the thing about it is, is I, I've said this. 
if you if the answer is no with him and you're not bringing him back next year, then the reality is unless you're going to get a veteran, there's no sense in bringing Saquon Barkley back next year. Absolutely none. Because there's no reason you're going to put a young quarterback back there. And to me, I feel like this. You've already wasted Saquon Barkley as it is. Why would you do that anymore? I just don't see I, – I, I don't see it. And my thing is, is, going forward, do I think Daniel Jones is the guy? No. And the reality is, is I tell people, like, people say, well, maybe, maybe not. The reality is this. When you start looking at those power rankings in the NFL – Predominantly, those teams that are always at the top always have are quarterback. solidified at quarterback. Yes, that's correct. It's solid at quarterback. And I appreciate the and point. We're not. It, 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 it's, it, it's, it's a conundrum heading into the offseason. What are you going to do with Saquon? What are you going to do with Daniel Jones? And I do love that the Giants decided to table those conversations uh, to the offseason once the, they – instituted, I guess, their own dead hard deadline of, of the bye week. They said, we're going to have the conversation at the end of the season. And since then, we've actually seen a regression from both of those guys. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit because Saquon Barkley has had his worst two games of the season and in the, worst, in the last two games against the Cowboys on Thursday and against the Lions this past Sunday. Daniel Jones played okay, I thought, against the Cowboys but against the Lions through two bad interceptions. So I, I'm, it is a legitimate question. If you don't bring let, – let's just say that you don't bring Jones back, which I think they will, but if you don't bring Jones back and you're not bad enough to draft a quarterback, how are you getting said quarterback? Which means why would you bring back Saquon? But the other side to that is if you don't bring back Jones and Saquon, you're taking a step further back. You, you're going to be worse than you, than you were this year. The next year becomes year one because year one actually feels like, you know, year two since the team has been performing much better than ex- expectations because now they're, what, seven and four with a legitimate shot at making the playoffs. You figure nine wins is going to get them in. But I just I, – I, I don't – I don't right now see a scenario that doesn't involve both Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley returning. Daniel Jones maybe uh, uh, not getting – Big money on this contract, but I think you should bring them both back at this point. We got to wait for the rest of the season to play out. But Saquon has been so tremendous just overall this year. And I, I mentioned the, the two worst games have come in the last four days or six days now with, with the losses to the Cowboys and, and the Lions. But he has been spectacular for this team. And I, I think that he's a likable guy. He's great for the organization. He's an excellent teammate. He, he is, quote-unquote, box office. You want to show up to watch Saquon. He's one of the best running backs in football. So I think bringing him back would be good for the, for the organization. It's just that those contracts, when you hear Schefter say he's looking for Alvin Kamara money, he's looking for Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, those contracts just historically don't age well. Giving big money to a running back, I, I don't know that that's the best financial decision if you're trying to be you know, phys- uh, fiscally responsible. But it's just that he means so much to the organization. How do you stomach him having this great of a season and you trying to either continue to build up with Daniel Jones or bring in a new quarterback who you're going to install a new system 
with him with this new with this uh, regime at that uh, with Brian with uh, Brian Dable, you're going to have a new in- system installed for whoever the new quarterback is, and you're taking away his best weapon. That that that's that's tough. That that is brutal. Dino in Maryland wants to talk. What's up, Dino? No one. What's up? Can you hear me? I can. Okay, just making sure because sometimes my phone down here gets a little um, disconnected every now and then. Um, very up, quickly, Rain. I'm sorry. Very quickly, Rangers. Uh, I don't know what it is about this year compared to last year, but there were seven points this year that they had the opportunity to capitalize on. They didn't. The, the Shark game the first time, the Duck game, Columbus, and then today, despite that one disallowed goal where the goalie, the Rangers player barely touched them, but you can't blow a three nothing lead. That's point number one. Point number two, I love college football, especially rival weekend. And as a Notre Dame fan, thank you, Michigan, for being yeah. Ohio State. It, and here's it, my it, question. It, it, so, I'm sorry, was, go ahead. It was a, a, a great day today, and I appreciate the call, Dino. Um, it was a great day of college football, especially if you are a Michigan fan. You know, beating Ohio, be, beating Ohio State, not just beating them, but embarrassing them in that second half. Uh, that 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 is a huge win for Jim Harbaugh. That's a huge win for the program. And now they've beaten him in back to back years. Uh, for the Rangers, though, I, I agree, man. That's 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 just a game you simply can't lose. You can't blow a three nothing lead at home uh, to the Oilers, giving up four goals. That just can't happen. So much so that the the franchise, uh, the the fan base is is hated because you're falling short of expectations to start the season. And now this is probably the worst loss so far on the year. On what's been a disappointing year coming off of an Eastern Conference Finals appearance. More of your phone calls coming up, 800-919-3776. I do want to get into the football, but I'll still take your calls on the Knicks as well. Jets have a new quarterback under center. Will the real Mike White please stand up? Who is the real Mike White? guess we're going to find out tomorrow. Take your phone calls on that. Giants lost to the Cowboys on Thursday. My question to you is, are the Giants a good football team? Are they a good football team? And we'll get into some Yankees conversation as well. We're on the air until 7 o'clock tonight, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. We're being honest about the Knicks. What we're watching is the the disappointment that is R.J. Barrett and what he was projected to be versus what he is now. 800-919-3776. Nabate in the car wants to chop it up. What's up, Nabate? What's up, Ty? It's been a minute. How you been, man? Yo, see, I recognize the name, and I'm like, I don't know too many Nabates, but this this is a Nabate that I might know. And then my producer said, yeah, you used to work at the station. I, I remember working with you at Sirius XM on NBA yes, Radio. Sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, so it's good to talk to you, man. What's, what's going yeah. on? What's popping? It's good to talk to you, man. Everything's blessed, man. And, you know, you're doing a wonderful job, man. Appreciate it's nice you. to hear you, man. Yes, indeed. Because so, I, I just started driving, like, less than a year ago. So now I'm on the radio all the time, you know. And, and let me say, being a native New Yorker, wait until, um, you know, 45 years old, you know, you get a license. You know? Yeah, what, 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 what goes into that? How, how, do you, how do you get this far without a driver's license in, in New York City? Man, I tell you, just transportation, Metro North, LIRR, uh, New Jersey Transit, everything. And I live in Jersey myself in Fort Lee, so it's crazy. But, oh, but I've been able to well, manage. Congrats, on the, congrats to... on the license. Good, good, good to, 
I was gonna I was gonna say it's good to have you behind the wheel, but I don't know your driving skills, so I, I don't know if I wanna you know prematurely put put that crown on you. So hopefully you hopefully you're a good driver. Hopefully you are. Oh, oh, oh definitely. I've gotten it out to me. Yes, I'm good. You know. <laughs> 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 but no, but brother, um, but the Knicks. There's a lot to talk about, but with the Knicks, you were so right about R.J. Barrett. Because the thing with R.J. Barrett, he's projected the number one. Prospect even over Zion when they both came in, when they both uh, were rolling the Duke. And um, it's it just the thing with Archer is that he just, his IQ isn't there. You know, he just doesn't have the IQ. He, um, there's, some, there's, some, there's nothing that he does exceptionally well. You know what I mean? Everything is good offensively. His defense is okay. But it's not, it's not like he's creating a signature strength in his game. To, to to be at an all star level. He's gonna, I think he's gonna stay at this level, you know, for for a while if he doesn't really get his jumper together or if he his head his ball handling is very suspect at times. So and that's the thing and I think with him, but definitely still keep him because he still has the talent to be a three option. And they can maybe do a trade to shake sh- sh- Gilson Alexander. You know, Oklahoma uh, uh, City's not I looking don't. to keep that contract. Listen, and, I don't and, know. And, and, I don't know that OKC. I don't know that OKC is is, is giving up on SGA oh. at any point. Because with, oh, yeah, what OKC has okay. done is they've they've stockpiled. It feels like every single draft pick for the next four decades. And what you would be looking for in those draft picks, you already have on your roster an SGA who's already one of what the the. 10, 12 best players in basketball. And he's well, always right now, been great. He, people are seeing it. People are seeing it this season, but he's always been great. It was just he couldn't stay healthy. Now now he, you know, he's he's putting on full display what he can do. And and, and the Knicks saw it up close and personal. Mm-hmm. But the thing that with SGA though, it was the health thing too, but he wasn't like an impact guy because he wasn't really creating wins for the Oklahoma City Thunder. You know what I mean? Even though they're young. But still, you know, you have that guy like, and I'm not comparing to LeBron James. We look at LeBron James, terrible Cleveland team, but LeBron was able to elevate them even in his first season, you know. But, but SGA, but with him, remember him and R.J. Barrett, they both have a history together, that Canadian history, where I think Barrett's game could be augmented with with um, Shane Gilchrist Alexander being with him. And then of course, if you know, of course you keep Brunson, and and then you got to find a way to trade Randall down the road, but. Oklahoma City's looking for draft picks still, They're, you know, because they know Shea Gilchrist is not going to be the guy to be a, a, a number one option on a championship contender. I don't think he's going to be that good. So, that's that point. Yeah, well, I, well, I appreciate the call, Nabate. Good, uh, good chopping it up with you. I Listen, if Sam Presti trades uh, Shea Gilchrist Alexander for, for draft picks, like you've got to fold the franchise at that point. They, Oklahoma City has every draft pick. Go go look at what they've done. They've got every single draft pick. You don't need more draft picks at this point. Start putting the team together. You've got Josh Giddey. You've got SGA. Now it's time to start acquiring players. That's just bad for the for the league to have a team with with talent continue to just trade them off in hope of uh, just acquiring draft picks. You're trading. You're you're trading away a star. For draft picks in hopes to do what? To draft another star? You already have the star. Go out there and get him a, a supporting cast. And that that's a young, fun group that's you know continuing to grow and mature. And yes, SGA, you could have said that he was putting up empty numbers on a bad team, but he had nothing to work with. 
and you know comparing him to LeBron James, who might be the greatest player of basketball and basketball history, I I don't know that that's gonna do anyone well. Uh, let's go to Mitchell in East Windsor. What's up, Mitchell? How's it going, Ty? Happy holiday to you and your family. Same to you, man. Same to you. What's up? You know who's got a lot of uh, number one though? Utah. They they have a good record. They they fleece Minnesota. Essentially, essentially, it was five first rounders for Rudy Gobert. That trade was like one of the worst trades I've ever seen. When it when it <laughs> happened, I said that that was one of the worst trades I've ever seen. And I mean, I don't know what they expected with Rudy and and Towns clogging up the lane. Anthony Edwards starting to play better of, of late, but it had a rough start to the season. That was a bad trade. Yeah. I know one was done pretty well I'm, right now with all the injuries that Kawhi had and Paul George. Yeah. I mean, they were a uh, group. One was going to come without the other. I think yeah, Oklahoma, I, uh, I like that kid, Alexander. He's, he's really good. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, that's it's, my it's, year, four, it's year four uh, for Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard, and they've been to one conference finals. And in that conference finals, you know, they didn't have Kawhi Leonard because he tore his ACL. That was two years ago. And it hasn't yeah, been much success because they've just been dealing with injury after injury. I never, ex- I, I never understood why Vegas had them as the favorites to, to win the whole thing. But I mean, I'm being soon, proven yeah. right. I'm being proven right. But what else? What else is going on? Oh yeah. Well, I'm glad that Michigan gave it to Ohio State. Well, you say it's two years early. I, I I don't remember what I did last week or when last year. But you think it helps? Opens the door for USC and Kelly Caleb Caleb Williams get the Heisman. I think it's it's tonight. For, it's him. It's his for the taking. Yeah. I, I, so I actually just saw that Vegas now has. Uh, him with the odds to to win it. He he's got the odds to win it. So Stroud put up big numbers in in the passing a- attack today, three hundred and forty nine yards. But he threw two interceptions and a twenty two point yeah. loss. So now Caleb Williams, he he is the front runner for uh, the Heisman. Thirty three touchdowns to three interception ratio, and is- Vegas has him as the 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 favorite now to to win. The, it's it's you know it's his to win. It's his to win. Right. Sophomore will be a top pick next year. Um, I know last week I was saying that Michigan and uh, TCU didn't have such great wins. They won in the last minute. And I don't mind. I can see Again, I understand LSU being ahead of, uh, of USC. Because LSU has beat some good teams, and they were pretty good quarterback. But do you think uh, Ohio State gets the bump and USC and TCU stay in the top four? Yeah. I think so. Take my call. Yeah, no problem. It's in TCU right now. Up twenty-seven to seven on Iowa State. Uh, I'm watching this game, and I actually saw a graphic flash on my screen uh, that involved Brees Hall, Jets running back, who's out for the season with a torn ACL because Brees Hall played for Iowa State, and they were showing like the difference between what the Jets were with Brees Hall versus what they've been without him. Five and two with them. One and two without him, and the offense has taken a significant step back. So it just depresses me because he was so fun to watch on his way to, in my mind, running away with the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. One of the best players this team has had in quite some time. Already the best running back they've had since Curtis Martin, maybe. And he goes out with injury, and that is such a huge, huge piece that the Jets lost. Uh, Shlomo in the car. Am I saying that correctly, Shlomo? Yes, it's uh, Shlomo. Uh, how's it going, Ty? What's up, Shlomo? Talk to me, man. Uh, 
you know, I heard you talking earlier about the Giants, uh, that they should re-sign uh, Daniel Jones and Saquon. And I agree with that, like, so long as it's, like, you know, not, like, crazy deals that, that eat up their, their cap. Um, but, like, would it be crazy? Like, what would happen if they decided not to re-sign them? Like, w- would there be a big, like, outlash? Like, what happens if Joe Shane is just like, these aren't my guys? Like, listen, like, I've shown I could win with people who aren't mine, but I want to draft my own guys. Yeah, but the, the, so the problem with that is, especially for the quarterback, you can get a running back anywhere. But for the quarterback, you're not going to be bad enough for you to have optimal position to, to draft his replacement. So this is less about Daniel Jones to me than it is about having no real alternative to, to, to him. Because I don't think Daniel Jones is a franchise quarterback. I don't think he is someone who is going to like the next time the Giants are contending for a championship. I don't think Daniel Jones is behind center. I, I just feel like right now you don't have a legitimate alternative. The teams that are great have the quarterback. The teams that are looking for quarterback, like it, it, it's such a competitive, we're looking for quarterbacks market, and it it's beneficial to the bad teams like the Texans you know and you know, the Raiders who might be looking to to get off of Derek Carr's quarter uh Derek Carr's contract like it's beneficial to those type of types of teams because it, there's no lottery in, in the NFL so you finish with a bad record you're going to be picking high in the draft but the Giants right now are 7 and 4 so i what best case scenario they're picking we in the teens and then we'll have to wait and see what happens the rest of the season. I just don't know that there's a, a, a legitimate alternative. I, I don't want I'm not in love with giving Saquon Barkley a big contract. I just think that he's performed so well for you. And he means so much to the organization. He's been great for the locker room. And he's a legitimate weapon. One of the best weapons in football. So p- parting with him just something feels wrong with that. But like I said, something also feels wrong with handing out big money to to a running back who's already experienced multiple significant injuries. And we historically, we see that these contracts don't age well. We'll talk some football when we get back. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Back in a moment right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So the Giants coming off of their second straight loss. And it was good in the first half. They were up 13-7. to And then it kind of came apart for them in the second half. They were drawing dead in this game anyway because of all the injuries. A fully healthy Giants team would have had a tough time against the Cowboys. So with all the injuries, it, it almost felt like a deficit that was insurmountable. But they played very well in that first half, forcing Dak into multiple interceptions. They got a turnover on downs on Dallas's first offensive possession of the game, which to me made no sense for Mike McCarthy to do. I think in that situation, uh, just punt the ball away. It's early. I, I am pro being aggressive. I am super uh, excited about coaches who aren't afraid to be aggressive. And I, I know there are folks in the media and fans out there who have this natural rejection to it because 
it's fueled by this hatred of analytics. They don't like the way the game is going. I, you know, back in my day, we used to, you know, kick the PAT. Why are you going for two? I understand that that there are certain people and and sections of the football fan base who are just, you know, alarmed by coaches being as aggressive as they are, you know, in today's game. But to me, in that moment, you're the better team. It's the first possession of the game. You don't need to make a statement. You're going to win the game. If it's the third or fourth quarter, and you're really trying to, you know, either spark your offense or, you know, put the hammer down, then I get it. I, 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 that, that made no sense to me. But uh, they were obviously able to overcome it. Second half came. The Giants just, just didn't have enough to contain that Cowboys offense that scored 21 straight points. CD was great. Zeke comes back in the second game. He was pretty good. Tony Pollard was pretty good. Schultz had a big game. The Giants just didn't have enough defensively to stop that Cowboys attack. Uh, so now that they get a couple days off, added to uh, the week, and they will play Washington next Sunday. The Giants now go from 7-2 to 7-4 and four, just like that. Here was Brian Dayball when asked if he is looking big picture or fo- focusing on Washington. The whole season, obviously, is in front of you right now. And we have a long way to go, obviously, the rest of December here and the early part of January. So we have to focus on getting ready to play Washington. But you're sitting at 7-4. and four. You put yourself in a position to play meaningful games in December, which is important. You know, last year, I think we were 7-6 and six after 13 games. So, look, anything can happen in this league. I've said this before. It's a humbling league. You can be on the top of the mountain one week and, you know, fall off the next week. And the biggest thing for us is to remain consistent in the things that we try to do each week to give ourselves the best chance to win. Do they always work? No. But I think a consistent approach is the best approach. And listen, I, I think that Brian Dable has done a remarkable job with his team. No one had them being 7-4 and four and in the conversation for making the playoffs. that If you had said that before the season, it would be a tad bit ridiculous. And I was one who was skeptical about Brian Dable, not because I didn't believe in him. or I, I just said we've never seen him do this before. Before we anoint him as one of the best coaches in football, let's watch it unfold first. And I get what he did with Josh Allen, turned him around. But let's see what he can do with this job because it's a lot different being under McDermott as a, as a coordinator with Josh Allen as your quarterback and a really good defense versus coming into a brand-new situation with a franchise that is clearly in rebuild mode with a quarterback who you don't trust because of injuries, and then when he's healthy, he's turning the ball over, and then Saquon, who I did expect to have a big year, but Saquon was coming off of injuries. And to, to Dable's credit, he has handled this job, I mean, better than anyone could have ever imagined in year one already. But I do think that you, you start to recalibrate your expectations uh, once new information is presented to you. And that new inf- information says that the Giants now at 7-4 and four are, what, maybe two wins away from getting into the playoffs. It's going to take nine wins in the NFC. I think you, it would be a disappointment if they didn't make the playoffs. Now, overall on the season, had I said that before the year, yes, that's a crazy take. But when you start 7-2, and the expectation is, yeah, you should make the playoffs. And that that loss to the Lions, not a good one. The Lions might be better than we thought, even though they're 4-7. and But, you know, that that loss to the Lions, not a good one. Uh, Cowboys lost. We all expect it to have happened. But you've got two against Washington, two against Philly. One against Minnesota and one against Indianapolis. You got to find two wins in there to make the playoffs, or I think this is just disappointing. And that's not a shade or or 
thrown in the direction of Brian Day. But, well, I just feel like the team has to make the playoffs, and, and I don't think that's crazy to say. One more hour to play with coming up. We'll get into the football and some baseball as well right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. But what a Saturday uh, in the sports world. We'll get back to the phone calls in a moment. 800-919-3776. Hit me up on Twitter at Ty D. Butler. Instagram as well. Started the show talking about the Knicks who lost last night in overtime to the Trailblazers despite no Dame Lillard and also despite having a 14-point lead because it was the Jeremy Grant and Anthony Simon show. They combined for 82 points, 44 from Jeremy Grant, who had a career high. And it just feels like every time someone comes to the Garden, they're setting a career high against Tom Thibodeau's defense. And look, he's going to bear the brunt of the criticism because when that's your calling card, people are going to be critical of you when your team doesn't perform well on that end. But I would argue he just doesn't have enough. The roster construction, the roster construction is poor. He doesn't have any lockdown defensive wings. Like to me, when, when you criticize the Nets for their lack of defensive prowess, it's warranted because you've got Ben Simmons, who you know last when he was healthy was one of the best perimeter defenders in the league. Royce O'Neal is a 3-and-D guy. Kevin Durant's a good defender. Nick's Clax- Nick Claxton's a good defender and offers a, a ton of rim protection. So you've got four of the five guys, the one negative being Kyrie Irving, four of the five guys who are at least average to good defenders, then yes, we can criticize your defense. But with the Knicks, I just don't see it. Mitchell Robinson and Sims are, are, are really good rim protectors, but I don't, I don't see the Knicks who, you know, having just a ton of defensive-minded players who can get it done. So I don't put that on Thibodeau. I put most of the blame on the GM because the roster is not a good one. I don't think the Randall Brunson RJ trio fits the way that you would hope for when you give Randall four years a buck seventeen million, you give Brunson four years a buck oh four, and then you give RJ four years a buck seventeen. That should should work. Like we shouldn't be having a conversation today about punting on the season, getting to the trade deadline and rebuilding when that your those are your three highest paid players and they're all pretty young Brunson's been really good this year he's been their best player and he's their closer Randall I think has responded well to last year he's had a few stinkers but he's he's performed well RJ Barrett has been a problem and it's the worst version of him since his rookie season and that's by all the metrics look at his shooting percentage from the field it's the worst since the worst of his career at 39% shooting 26% from three worst of his career True shooting percentage of 49, worse since his rookie season. All the numbers would suggest, and what we're watching shows you, that this is not the R.J. Barrett that folks were sold on being the foundation piece. He simply has to be better. And I, I just don't know what you do when you're not getting enough production from him because a perennial all-star, that has to be the worst-case scenario for him when you take him number three overall. Because this is a significant drop. Look at that, look at that draft. You go John Morant, who's a superstar. Zion Williamson, who, <laughs> when he's healthy, he's a superstar. And then you go to R.J. Barrett, who we're still in year four having questions about whether or not he, he can just consistently be a good player. Not even great, just a consistent good player. On the Giants, they, they lose back-to-back games for the first time all season. That Cowboys game, I, 
going into it, you never felt like they had a chance. But then when they're up 13-7 at the half, you dream a little bit. But the Cowboys flexed their muscles in the second half, 21 straight points. The Giants really had no answer to them. Uh, and, and my question is, are the Giants a good football team? Because you always refer to the Bill Parcells quote of you are what your record says says you are, but is that a foolproof exercise? Because on one, ar- on one argument, you could say they're not good. And the Giants are 7-4 and four because of exceptional coaching that has maximized the talent on this roster, and they've been fortunate securing wins on pivotal plays late in the games. You got the two-point conversion from Saquon against the Titans. You got the strip sack on Aaron Rodgers that, by the way, broke his thumb, we just found out this week, and that could explain why he's been playing so poorly. You got the late interception uh, with, with Lamar Jackson in the win against the Ravens. You've had a fortunate situations. You, you had the, the Jags game where I forget the name of the receiver, but he got all the way to the one-yard line, and they just ran out of time. So that's four games right there that came down to critical moments in the fourth quarter, and you just so happen to be fortunate enough to make the play. But the other argument can be that the exceptional coaching is why we can consider this to be a good team. And the good fortune happens late in games because you're a good team, and you got to give credit to the players for going out there and making plays. But here's, to me, the reality it's the, the Giants right now, three games over 500, but they have a negative point differential. They're minus seven on the season, being outscored by their opponents by seven points this season. And that's the only team right now that in the, in the current playoff landscape, you go seven seeds in the AFC, seven seeds in the NFC. The Giants are the only playoff team right now with a negative point differential. Three games above 500 with a negative point differential. So that, to me, that would suggest that they're not really a good team. They're decent. They're fine. Saquon's played out of his mind. The defense has come up big in, in big moments. And Danny Jones, outside of uh, that one game against the Lions, hasn't turned the ball over. And he's answered the other question that was, can you stay healthy? He's done that. And Dable has put him in great position to maximize what he's able to do with his legs. And then when you have to have him throw the football, he can do that. But the Lions and Cowboys said, no, we're going to shut Saquon down and put the game in the hands of Daniel Jones, and so far he hasn't been able to do that. So are the Giants a good team? I don't know. I want to hear from you. 800-919-3776. Meanwhile, the Jets play tomorrow at home against, against the Bears. Looks like Justin Fields is a game-time decision, though I did see a note earlier from, uh, if I can pull it up, uh, one of the, one of the reporters for the Bears uh, that said that um, Courtney Cronin says the Bears have flexed practice squad quarterback Nathan Peterman to the active roster for the Jets game. If Justin Fields, who right now is listed as questionable with a shoulder injury, can't play tomorrow, Nathan Peterman will serve as Trevor Simeon's backup, which to me would suggest that we're not going to see Justin Fields tomorrow. He's got the shoulder injury. If you're bringing... If you're bringing Peterman up to back up Travis Simeon, I, I don't think we're going to see Justin Fields. But even if we do, he's limited. And the Jets should be able to win that game. They should be able to win this game tomorrow against the Bears with Mike White as quarterback and improve to 7-4. and four, And then all of a sudden, you, you start to feel better about things. The two losses to the Pats were just dreadful because if you just had average quarterback play, you win those games. And right now, you're sitting pretty with a game behind the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs for the number one seed in the AFC, which is crazy, right? The Jets could be a game behind the Chiefs for the number one overall seed in the AFC if they just had average quarterback playing those two games against the Pats. The defense has been exceptional, 
and the Jets right now are, are, are a good team. They're they're a good team. They're just being held back by their quarterback. So we'll see if the real Mike White shows up tomorrow. Is that Mike White, a guy who threw for three touchdowns and four or five against the Bengals last year, or is it the guy who followed up that performance two games later throwing for four interceptions against the Bills? So we'll see tomorrow afternoon. But should be a fun one. Looking forward to watching the Jets in action uh, rebound from that pathetic showing last week. Oh, that was dreadful. 800-919-3776. Uh, had a lot going on today, as we talked about at uh, in, in the 4 o'clock hour, Michigan beating Ohio State 45-23. to So Jim Harbaugh is another big win for that program. On the FIFA side, I heard my neighbors downstairs going nuts today because they watched Argentina take down uh, Mexico 2 nothing. So uh, there you have it as far as the World Cup is concerned. 800-919-3776. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Chris and Beth Page wants to weigh in. What's up, Chris? Hey, Ty. Uh, how you doing, buddy? Uh, totally miss you on Saturday mornings with uh, Dave Rothenberg. There was nothing better than when 9.15 rolled around and you came on. And you and Dave would go at it. It was classic. Oh, yeah. But anyhow, I miss I, it. I miss it so I'm, much. I, I miss it so much, man. Thank you. Thank you for the kind words. I, I miss talking to you. Hey, uh, at, yeah. What was it? Ten twenty-five every every Saturday as we uh, as we yeah. got ready for Stump Rothenberg. One of my favorite callers. So I appreciate the kind That's, words. Appreciate the kind words. No doubt, Ty. And I'm glad you are you're where you are now. Really am. Um, so, Ty, listen. I'm a big Giants fan. You know, much older than you. Um, and I'll say this, I, I've never seen a year kind of like this in pro football where I don't see many dominant teams out there at all. I really don't. Just when I start thinking a team is going to start dominating, you know, it's, listen, you got Kansas City. I guess you got Buffalo. Uh, those are the two teams I'd probably put up there. But, I mean, Minnesota, I don't know. I mean, I, I think Dallas is good. they got a great defense. But, you know, they got they suspect. Uh, they're coaching. I don't. I think Mike McCarthy's a terrible coach. But the point I think I'm trying to get at is, I think what you're doing to the Giants, and I get it. It's very fair. You're very fair in your breakdown of them. All right. But what I'm saying is, you can say that about just about every team in the league, because what's happened now is the structure is so heavy on the top players getting all the money that. When you break it down, the, the the rest of the team is just very mediocre. A lot of teams, not just the Giants. And unfortunately with the Giants, I'll say this, and it's not an excuse, but their injuries have been off the charts bad. have absolutely killed them. I mean, I could go down the list. The tight end, Bellinger, Shepard. Uh, you know, just you could go down Adore the list. Ja- Dory Jackson being out. The, the, you know, Evan Adore Neal Jackson, going out. Davey McKinney. Davey McKinney. Yep, Xavier I mean, McKinney being out. Evan Neal on the offensive line. Yeah, they, Evan they've, Neal. Been, they've been hit that's hard. That's probably been the biggest. Yeah, yeah, that's probably been the biggest one. Now, that's what I'll say. And, you know, listen, I know you've never been much of a Daniel Jones fan. I'll say this, though. I don't know where they're going to go to up that position. That's the problem. Yep, and you got to be careful. You know, and you got to be very careful with that. Now, think about the 49ers. Garoppolo can take them to the Super Bowl. If you look at the NFC, they're a viable team with all the talent they have. Garoppolo can take them to the Super Bowl. Then what do you do if you're San Francisco? Do you keep Garoppolo or do you let him go to free agency? Or you go back with Trey Lance? That's 
That's the problem with the quarterback. Well, Chris, they've, they've invested so much in Trey Lance. I think anything outside of winning the Super Bowl, uh, they would have to go back to him. And then even then, who knows? I, I guess we got to see how it happens. Is it Jimmy G, Jimmy G really, um, you know, on, on the on his shoulders they're getting there? Is it him carrying them? Or is it all facets of the game and he's just not turning the ball over? So I think it matters how how they get to the Super Bowl, and if they do win, how it's done versus just him you know, him going out there and being the quarterback of the team that won the Super Bowl. That, that's a good point. And, Ty, I'll say this, is, and I know, obviously, you're a big Jets fan, but how good would the Jets be if Jimmy G, oh. as, like a guy like Jimmy G, was oh, on their team right now? I mean, they would be 8-2. They would win both of those Patriot games, yeah. no doubt, with a guy like Pretty Jimmy easy. G out there. Yep. I'm just saying, and I like your Jets a lot too, by the way. I like what I see in them. But once again, the quarterbacking spot is very it's a it's a it's a tough one for a lot of teams to fill and there's there's only maybe a handful of like, you know, uh elite quarterbacks or franchise quarterbacks out there. Other than that, I say there's twenty six, twenty, maybe twenty seven other teams that, you know, Kirk Cousins, okay. You know, I'm just saying they're okay players, but franchise quarterbacks are tough to come by. And they are. that's the point I'm telling all my giant friends and fans and, you know, just you got to be careful because if you get rid of Daniel Jones or you don't want him there, I need to know how we're going to upgrade that position. And it's a hard thing to do. That's all it's I'm a, saying. It's a tough one. That's a great phone call by Chris. That's my guy. That's a great phone call. You go through, and we can do this quickly, the Bills have a franchise quarterback. The Dolphins do as well. Uh, the Jets and Pats I don't think do. The Ravens absolutely have a franchise quarterback. So do the Bengals. The, the Browns next week get Deshaun Watson back. Uh, the Steelers, you know, he's a rookie, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. Uh, the the Jags, uh, Trevor Lawrence just hasn't shown us anything. It ha- hasn't shown us anything. I, they they want to believe he's their franchise quarterback, but who knows? Uh, the Chiefs, no question. The Chargers, no question. The Raiders might be moving on from their quarterback, and the Broncos thought they had a franchise quarterback. Not only did they trade for him, they gave him an extension. And in year one, that's looking awful. The Eagles have a franchise quarterback, so do the Cowboys. The Giants don't. The Commanders don't. The Vikings, Kirk Cousins is okay, like you said. The Lions don't. The Packers do. The Bears are hoping that we're watching the emergence of one with Justin Fields because he's played a lot better as of late. If only he can just become more accurate. The Buccaneers, I guess, yes, Tom Brady is the franchise quarterback, but obviously long-term, we don't know if he's playing beyond this season. The Falcons just drafted one. The Saints don't. The Panthers are starting Sam Darnold this Sunday. And then you've got uh, you know, the, the NFC West. The Niners believe Trey Lance is their franchise quarterback. Who knows what's going to happen with Seattle now that Geno Smith has played himself into the MVP conversation. That's how good he's been. The Cardinals just gave Kyler Murray an extension and it has not gone well uh, again in year one. And then the Rams, it, it's a wash because Stafford and you know Stafford's been hurt. He's hurt again. So who knows? Yes. So to Chris's point, they are hard to come by, which is why when I say that I think the Giants should bring back Jones just this right now, like as of today, they should bring him back. I think they will. And that is more to do with there not being an abundance of options out there, especially because your team is too good to grab one in, in the draft. I think it's more about that than it is about I've just, I've just been so impressed with Daniel Jones you got to bring him back it's it's not that at all not that at all eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six and about you know what he said 
as far as the hierarchy of the NFL is concerned, I would agree. It's the Chiefs and everybody else. And I wouldn't even put the Bills in that conversation. I know the Bills beat them head-to-head earlier this season. I know the Bills are 8-3 and three leading the AFC. They've got a point differential plus 110, which is insane. I, I just still feel like the Chiefs are better than everyone else. I feel like the, B- the Bills are in that second tier because I, I have the Chiefs all alone. I, I, I've watched Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey too much to think that there's anyone in that conversation right now. They're the best team in football. And that's not to say that they won't lose because there's still some time to see what happens. I think they're going to get the first round by. And then the AFC playoffs are going to go through Arrowhead. And, you know, pick who? Miami, Buffalo, Baltimore, Tennessee, New York Jets. Someone's going to have to go to Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs and, and, and earn it. Because even if it's like so deflating, because even if you're up big, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I believe he's, he's got something like a winning record trailing by double digits in games. I got to find the tweet because I saw it somewhere. Patrick Mahomes, his record in games that he's trailed by double digits. Um, I, I got to find I got to find the number because it's just so fascinating. But it's it's just the it, it's the Chiefs and everybody else, and there's there's not much to be said about that. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We will get more to we will get back to your phone calls when we get back. Uh, Ty D Butler on Twitter and Instagram as we go till seven o'clock right here on ninety eight seven ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Uh, back to your phone calls we go. Let's go to Anthony in the mail truck. What's up, Anthony? Ty, what's going on, brother? How are you? Yo, my dude, talk to me, man. Things are going well. What's up? What's up? Talk to me. Good, man. Uh, Chris is not the only one missing you on Saturdays. Um, uh, I think we all miss you. And, and you know, I, I, they're, they're trying. You know, the new producers on the show, the show are doing great. You know, they're doing phenomenal. But, you know, the back and forth with you and Dave, there was nothing like it, man. And, and uh, definitely miss you out there. But, Love, love you taking me, you know, to to the end of my shift in the mail truck. So I appreciate oh, you. thank you, man. What, what? So where are you delivering? Uh, like where, where, what part? I'm, of I'm, li- I'm delivering in Jersey. So I'm, oh, okay. I'm mostly walking, driving, um, you know, but but usually not out this late. Um, but when I heard you on the uh, on the 98.7 uh, app, you know, I was like, oh, this is great. It's gonna take me right to the end of my shift. So, um, well, I appreciate you I appreciate tuning that. in, man. I appreciate I appreciate you. Of tuning course, in. brother. What's, What's on your mind? And you're you're also you're you're not the only one that got a happy birthday text on accident this this weekend. I I, uh, I sent it to Jake too, and and oh, he responded. That was so funny. Thing. So what he, what he's talking about is uh, on Instagram, Ty D Butler, where you can follow me. He he's a nice guy. You know, we talk sometimes, and he's it's Thanksgiving morning, and I get a weird DM that says Happy Birthday, Ty. I'm like, wait, my birthday's not for another three months. What's this guy talking about? <laughs> I mean, clearly, you mean Happy Thanksgiving. So, I mean, he he was hammered, hung over. I don't know what it was, but no, it was not my birthday. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of things going on. Um, but to get to my uh, my Giants point, I don't know if you remember last off season. I I was calling it to Dave Show all the time, and I would say. Listen, Dave, I'm just hoping Daniel Jones goes seven and ten and you guys sign him long term. You know, it'll be a win win for me as a Cowboy fan. But me being <laughs> a Cowboys fan, you know, yeah, <laughs> looking looking at this season as a whole, you know, as 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 I do look at my rivals and stuff, you know, Brian Gable scares me, man. He really does, you know. And, and Joe Shane as as the head of the table, 
you know, they they both look and and you know are acting like they know exactly what they're doing, and they do. And what Brian Dable has done with Daniel Jones this year, you know, I, I believe Daniel Jones's record when he passes over thirty times is one and four. That's yeah, because he's four. their yep. identity, yeah, and and their identity is going through Saquon. And when a team stuffs Saquon, they really don't have an answer for it, you know. And it's mostly because of their wide receiver position and their tight end position. And Ballinger was doing great in the beginning of the year, like you said earlier. Um, but they just don't have any, you know, receivers. And, you know, I can I can wax poetic about, you know, how good the Cowboys are. And, you know, but no no New York uh, listener and, and 98.7 ESPN listener wants to hear that. So, you know, I, I just want to give props to the Giants and uh, – you know, they, they definitely made the right call at head coach and, and definitely with Joe Shane at the top. You know what I mean? Yes, and I appreciate the call, Anthony. I appreciate the kind words as well. So a couple of things can be true at the same time. One, Dable's coaching his tail off, and the Giant fans should be encouraged because once this regime that includes Joe Shane it gets the players in here, they can draft and develop and sign free agents and have it be over the course of time. Uh, the Giants are going to be a force. Now, uh, I guess the biggest question is who's going to be an under center at quarterback because as we're seeing with the Jets, that can be something that holds you back. I don't care how good the team is around you. If you don't have the answer at quarterback, then you're, you're, you're running on a treadmill. Uh, so that can be true while also acknowledging, as I mentioned earlier, I think it would be a disappointment if they missed the playoffs. And that's something that would have been crazy to say before the year because no one expected them to be even be in this conversation. But when you start 7-2 and two and all it really is going to take is nine wins, I think you got to get it done. The problem is the schedule is a little bit tough because you get two against Washington. They started 1-4. and four. Now they've won, uh, what, four of their last five games, five of their last six games, I should say. You've got two against the Eagles, who up until they played Washington was undefeated. You have one against the Colts, and you have, what What am I forgetting, the Vikings game in Minnesota. So it's six, that's six, five tough games, you should beat the Colts, and then you just got to find an, another one in there somehow. Uh, I, I also think that for everyone who wanted to have the case be closed on the Coach of the Year award, uh, I was hesitant to do that because I saw that there were some other viable options out there. Uh, that can be stolen from Dable. And I think Dable's been exceptional. I want to continue to reiterate that because this is not a shot at him or anything. I think he's been exceptional. But that award can be stolen from him. What happens if the Commanders finish higher in the NFC than the Giants? Is Ron Rivera going to get consideration for that? I think Nick Sirianni, depending on how this season finishes with the Eagles, you know, if they're 15-2, and two, you don't think he's going to get a lot of consideration for that award? How about... Uh, Kevin O'Connor with the Vikings. If they win the one seed and they've got a first round bye, you know, with Kirk Cousins at quarterback, uh, is he going to get consideration? Pete Carroll, what happens with them if they win that division and they end up with something like 10 wins with Geno Smith playing playing like an MVP candidate? Is he going to get some consideration there? So, uh, you know, Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins. What happens? They, they can act. Looking at the standings, so the Dolphins right now, 7-3, and three, they're a game back or win behind the uh, the Bills in the AFC East, but the Dolphins still on the table for them winning the one seed. Now, it will require the Chiefs to uncharacteristically stumble a little bit, but the Dolphins, if they get the number one overall seed in the AFC, can, can Mike McDaniel 
get coach of the year consideration. So I think there are a lot of viable options out there. Dan Campbell actually could have been playing himself into that had the Lions beaten the Bills on Thanksgiving Day because they would have been what five and six and in and, you know in contention for a playoff spot. So it, it, uh, I think that loss all but kills it. But Dan Campbell, I mean, doing a really good job with that team. Sal in Long Island wants to chop it up. What's up, Sal? What's up, Sal? Hey, Sal, how's it going? It's not Sal, it's Saul. What's up, Ty? Oh, Saul, what's up, man? Sorry about that. I read that wrong. What's up, Saul? So am I in the dojo right now? You are. You are. Oh, this is Saul. Okay, Saul, I know who you are. What's up, Saul? We spoke, well, last time I spoke to you, when I spoke to the principal of radio, I spoke to him this morning. Remember him? Your yes. mentor? Uh, I, I do remember yeah. him. I was actually listening to his program this morning, so I did hear you. Did you hear my phone call? I did. We chopped it up, man. We, I met him. I, it was a great phone call, but that's not why I'm calling. Actually, that's why I'm calling, but I'm calling because, uh, dude, you are so missed on Saturday. It's unbelievable man uh, it's unbelievable the your voice your knowledge and just like when i remember calling back in the day and you were just so pleasant and just i don't know man it's I just different that. without you but I i'm so glad that, but i'm so glad to hear that you've uh that i'm talking to you right now and that you've clearly moved on but thank you bro i miss i miss so, chopping I, it up with my, with my guy dave on saturdays and I got to give him a lot of credit so, for me being in this position because he, he was, was good to me, allowed me to be a part of his Saturday program. And so, that facilitated so can you What's back that? up when I said, like, when I met him at that, when I met him that day, like, he was a genuinely nice person, engaging. He, he's got like, a good heart. I was like, all right, I'm good, man. I just met you. And he's like, no, no, what else you want to know? Like, he was. He's got a good heart. He's it's, a savage I mean, on the radio, but. Physically, he leaves much to be desired. A little overweight. Uh, I, I was oh, very, I'm not talking physically. I'm not going there, man. Very taken aback by, oh, by the way, the gray by the that way, I saw. Out, I saw a lot of gray. The, I got a shout, so, out. I got a shout out to the company. But I'm as a person, right? Yeah, shout out to I'm saying uh, physically, he, he, there's a lot that could happen there. And I, I heard him also on his show today giving himself credit for having dinner with his family on Thanksgiving Day, which to me is alarming. Like that's an indictment of your personality, not – that, like you but, don't deserve no, no, but, but what he did was, and I think it's growth. He paused the get. He paused the game. Yeah. Three years ago, would you think he would have done that when you were working with him side by side on a Saturday morning? No, no way. He, he he was not going to do that three years ago. But like, just because you've made progress doesn't mean that you are where you should be. I understand. I, I understand, but he's different. You, he's he's he's. <laughs> He's, He's a different cat. He is a different cat. What's up? You want to weigh in on the Giants? Uh, you want to weigh in on Dable? What's up? What do you got on Dable? I, as far as the Giants, I, I said it today this morning. I, I know you're a Jet fan, and I'm sorry about. Uh, I'm sorry about dimples. That, that's brutal. <laughs> you can't draft, you can't draft the quarterback with dimples. I'm sorry, man. And he looks like a Backstreet Boy, but I'm a Giants fan. <laughs> I'm sorry if that hurt, but you're laughing, so I think that went that went That's over funny. quite well. That's a good. <laughs> you're still laughing. No, but as a Giants, Giants? Yeah, what do you got? No, I just I I think we have a we have a a solid coach 
and a, a great GM. They're best friends. They go to Ranger games. And I think the, the future is bright for the Giants. And uh, the NFC East should be scared uh, real quick. Should be scared. Right, I appreciate the, the phone call. I appreciate the, the confidence. The I appreciate the call. Uh, shout out to you and your, your company members. It should be scared. Listen, I don't know if I'm going to go that far. I think that right now it's looking like at some point you can have the coaching edge in that division. I still would give the nod right now to Sirianni. I mean, he's 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 been there longer. He's proving more right now. And I get his roster is better, but got to put some respect on his name. At some point, I do think that Brian Dable uh, can ascend to the level of being the best coach in that division. But in the end, as as much as we love the GM, as much as we love the head coach, it all comes down to the quarterback. The Cowboys have a quarterback. Now, is he a quarterback that's going to win you a Super Bowl? I don't know. But Dak's, Dak's, a, Dak's a pretty good quarterback. And I think he takes a lot of heat just because of the team that he plays for. And, you know, folks just engaged in that silly conversation about a, a quarterback controversy just because, you know, Cooper Rush was completing seven passes and wins. And folks went crazy about that. But they, they've got the quarterback. The Eagles have their quarterback. The commander's still looking for one. And the Giants are going to be looking for one. So I wouldn't say that the NFC East should be scared until we know who the quarterback of the future is for the Giants. 800-919-3776. Hit a break real quick. Get back to your phone calls, and then then I want to touch on the Yankees as well because fans were a little nervous when they saw Judge meeting with the Giants. So I'll weigh on, in on that. We're going until 7 o'clock right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. So Yankees fans who were panicking because they saw Aaron Judge out in San Francisco hanging out, smiling, having a good time, meeting with the Giants. I What's what's the reason you're panicking now? The, the reason to panic would have been once we got to game one of the regular season and there was no contract extension. The reason to panic would have been once we closed the chapter on what was one of the mo- best offensive seasons we've seen ever in Judge hitting 62 home runs and winning the MVP, falling two votes shy of unanimous. Should have been unanimous, but neither here nor there. That That's the time to be nervous because the, the number... The, the dollar number increases. Him meeting with the Giants, we already knew that was going to happen. He's he's a free agent. He's going to meet with other teams. There's no reason for that to make you nervous. Once he gets an opportunity to test free agency, he's free to meet with anyone. That doesn't make me nervous. I still think, and I, I think I heard Passon on the K-Show say that he believes Judge is going to return. I, most baseball people who I read, predict that he will return to the Yankees and maybe he's going to get 330 over eight years but if he doesn't obviously it's a catastrophe I just don't understand panicking right now just because it took a few meetings relax it's going to be all right 800-919-3776 Dan in New Jersey wants to talk what's up Dan hey hi happy Thanksgiving man same to you man same to you how you doing um yeah so I'm not a disillusioned Jet fan. I've, I've been a Jet fan since, you know, the Mark Sanchez, uh, you know, days and stuff like that, Christian Hackenberg and all that good stuff. Um, so I kind of wanted to, like, weigh in my opinion on, on the situation here because I've seen it all just like you have. Um, I feel like with with Zach, obviously what he said, you know, in the post-press game wasn't right. 
um, and he still has some maturing to do. But I still feel like a lot of people, um, and, and it ties into like my next point. Like, I feel like a lot of people kind of are being a little too harsh on him. I mean, he know I know he has to get better. All Jets fans, like we we realize that, but he's still a second year rookie quarterback. He's playing behind the fifth string offensive line. Like, there's no running game. There's no Corey Davis. Uh, there's um, no running game. Come on, stop it. There's no running game. I mean, Brees, like, Brees, Brees, Brees Hall bursted on the scene. Mike, Michael Carter is, is is there, and he's been pretty good. And I know, it's, I know. It's, it's it's the second year, but at no point through 20 games have we ever looked at Zach Wilson and said, "Yeah, that's my franchise quarterback." That's the problem. No. It's it's big picture things. Like the the yeah, loss. No. If it was if it, if it was simply the loss to New England, or, or right. t- even even simply the two losses to New England. We, we can give him a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt. But we've got a 20-game sample size that suggests that he's not the guy, and we have him after the after the game not holding himself accountable, so showing signs yeah. of a, a lack of leadership. So I, I don't think that yeah. the, the criticism is all that unwarranted. No, I know. I, I totally understand that. Like, And that's kind of tied into my next point was, like, you know, I mean, it's it's all totally fair what you just said. Like, I, I don't have any disagreement with that. But it's like, you know, you look at, like, some Giants fans and Daniel Jones and other people with Tua, and they kind of wanted those guys out. And it's like, sometimes these guys need, you know, these guys need more time. But like you said, you know, 20 games is a very large sample size. So my, my point is that, like, if you're this coaching staff, right, and they've done a fabulous job in the draft and everything else, like, and you're Joe, you know, Joe Douglas, like, it's – a really, I feel like a really tricky kind of road to navigate going forward. Like, do you yeah. draft another quarterback? Like, you know what I'm saying, man? Like, do you draft another quarterback? Do you go out and get somebody like Jimmy G? If Zach, so I don't obviously, think, is the answer. Like, yeah. I don't think, and I appreciate the call, Dan. I don't think that they're going to be able to draft a quarterback just because they're they're not going to be bad enough to 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 do that. And Joe Douglas, if if you're in position to draft another quarterback, it means Joe Douglas missed on this one. Are you giving him the opportunity to draft another? I, I think Zach Wilson is going to come back. I think he's going to get another opportunity to prove himself. It's just right now they're prioritizing winning football games over developing developing the quarterback, which still can happen. But look, eleven straight years of not qualifying for the playoffs, and you've got an opportunity to do so. You got to go to the guy who who best gives you the option to win games. And by the way, you brought up Tua. Who people were down on, you know, because he he didn't look the part. Into his first two seasons, he had twenty seven touchdowns to fifteen interceptions, and six more as a runner. We have not seen anything close to that from Zach Wilson. Even Josh Allen, who was terrible in his first season, threw for double digit touchdowns, and immediately the next year was great. Go through the guys. We start to see it in year two, and we haven't seen it at all. By the way, Julian, so I, earlier I was talking about Mahomes, and I referenced his record in games where he's trailed by double digits, and you actually was able to pull it up. Yeah, so I have that stat right here, which is that it says, for his career, Mahomes is 13-9 and nine when trailing by double digits in the game. He's the only quarterback to start at least 10 such games since 1950 and post a winning record in those games. We're watching a real-life cheat, co- cheat code. I said cheat code, Freudian slip. We're, we're watching a real-life cheat code. Mahomes is 13-9 and nine in his career when his team is at any point down by double digits in a game. That, that's, that's absurd. Like, how many quarterbacks, how, how, how many teams 
out there. And I, I get the league is different now. You can score quickly just because it, it offense you know comes in bunches. But you get down double digits, <laughs> you don't feel good. If you're a Chiefs fan, you feel great. Thirteen and nine, Bill and Queens. What's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. No um, love, love hearing you on here. I remember when you were behind the scenes with Dave. So it's good to see, uh, you know, hear you, you know, taking the next step in your career. But Thank I don't you, really man. understand what you're saying when you say the Giants, Uh-oh. Daniel Jones isn't their quarterback. No, th- there's nobody else out there. He's single-handedly winning games. Is he going to be your quarterback for the next five years? Probably not, but he's Wait, your qu- ask, quarterback. Bill, for the Bill, Bill, I promise I'm going to let you continue. You, yep. said he's, you said he is single-handedly doing what? He has single-handedly won some games, 100 million percent. He's not okay, throwing so the ball t- away. He's, right, scor- so, he's scoring. You said you don't let right, me finish. So you asked me a question. Okay, no, no, I'm going to let he you had, finish. He, he, he has scored numerous times where he's running the ball himself. He is a different quarterback. One million percent than he was last year. There, there is no quarterback. It's not a rich quarterback, rich draft coming up. There, who, who, who would you, who would you take as a quarterback for the next year, two, three? No, so I agree with that part. I agree that, I, and I actually said that I would bring Danny Jones back because one, he's he's earned the opportunity to at least have one more year, and two, I just don't love the alternatives out there. But here's here's what I want you to do, Bill. You said he single-handedly has won some games. To tell me the games yes. that he single-handedly won. Can you point those out for me? I don't. I, I, I'm. I'm a work full time. I have three kids. I can't tell you games, but I can tell you, you are, that. He so has here's four a, here's the thing, Bill. The he reason has, why. So it's, and I appreciate the call. The reason. My job why, isn't for stats. My job okay. isn't to like watch. So I appreciate that the call, Bill. Bill. He I has absolutely. He has absolutely one game for on the Bill. Giants. One million percent. You can hang up on Bill. I appreciate the call, Bill. Uh, the reason why you can't find the game or games, you said, you said he's won multiple games. You can't find one game that he's won on the strength of Danny Jones single-handedly. The reason why you can't find that one game has nothing to do with the amount of jobs you're working. It has nothing to do with, you know, your parenting responsibilities, but it has everything to do with that just simply doesn't exist this year. There is not at any point this year where the Giants won a game because Daniel Jones single-handedly carried them. That is just patently false. And I'm not even going to waste my time on it because we can go through all the games and we can discuss you know, how Saquon Barkley through the first 10 weeks of the season led everyone in football and rushing. We can discuss the impact that he had that had people talking about him as the MVP of the league, a league that includes quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes. We can talk about what he meant to them. We can talk about the, the you know, the game-changing plays at the end where you pick off, you know, the Ravens, where, you know, you get the strip sack on, on uh, the Packers. Or, I mean, just go to the first game of the season where Saquon Barkley <laughs> rushed for a two-point conversion and won the game. We can do all of that, but I won't waste my time on it because that's just a dumb point. Dan- Danny Jones is single-handedly one game for the Giants. Stop it. Appreciate the love, though. Back to finish up the show right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Like, I wish we could bring that caller back just so I could hang up on him again. That's that 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 was I mean, talk about a, a bad phone call. Terrible. And I feel bad saying it because he was nice at the beginning. Missed me on Saturdays, good to see me doing well. But I mean to Daniel Jones has single-handedly won games for the— Are you watching the Giants? Oh, it's not my job to, to give stats. Well, it's also not your job to call the radio stations and, and give dumb takes. 
Rollin Patterson. I know he has a better take. What's up, Rollin? Hey, what's good, man? How you doing, bro? I'm doing well, man. What's up? Hey, thanks for having me on. This is the uh, first time I'm actually calling in here, so it's pretty cool oh, wow. talking to you. Thanks for making the call, man. What's up? What's on your mind? Yeah, hey, listen, um, I had a couple questions. I mean, the last call was pretty funny, but um, he, with with Daniel Jones, it's, he, I think he, it's right that he deserves an extra time. He's made a lot of things happen with not much to use, and he's still doing it with, you know, backup receivers, things like that. If they were to get, you know, maybe a good number two wide receiver, number one wide receiver, you think it'll really change the way he plays? Because right now he doesn't really have anybody to throw it to, yes, especially with, you know, Shepard out. And that's the thing. I, I do think, and I'm sorry, Riley, I, I got to run because I'm up against the clock. Uh, but I did say I, I did see your question, so I'll answer it. Uh, as far as Daniel Jones is concerned, I, I, he hasn't had the benefit of weapons. I mean, Slayton can't be your best receiver. He's got Saquon and, and not much else. You wanted to ask as well, did the Giants make a mistake not going out and getting someone at the deadline? And I struggle with this, but I mean, if the price were right, I'm, I'm sure they would have done so. I just look at it and say maybe they should have just because the NFC is wide open. Like, who do you trust out there? I know the Eagles are 9-1, are and one, but is there anyone in the NFC that you feel like is absolutely unbeatable in a year where, you know, Brady's bucks are down and, you know, they'll probably still make the playoffs and win the South. Rodgers' uh, Packers are down. So those are the two best quarterbacks in the conference. They're both struggling. And the defending champion, L.A. Rams, are not going to make the playoffs. So it's the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Vikings. Uh, the Niners, are, are any of these teams unbeatable? So maybe they should have gone out there and gotten another weapon for, for Daniel Jones uh, to further assist in evaluating him. And then maybe you, you take a shot and you get hot in the playoffs. But another re reason could be that, you know, they just didn't think that it was worth it right now. Real quick, we're going to end off with uh, Vinny in Staten Island. I've, I've got 30 seconds, Vinny. What's up? How you doing? Uh, good to be on. Thank you, uh, I got to disagree with you. That call of Bill was right on the money. Oh, Daniel no. Jones has singly won games for the Giants this year. Which one? And tell, me, tell, me the, tell me the game. You're, you're way off base. Tell me the game, Benny. Tell all, me the game. I don't have to tell you a specific okay, game. So, but all, all right, I know is the last two games. Drop them. That's it. I don't have to tell you the specific game. See, here's the thing. Here's what we can't do. Like, don't come on here with this strong, passionate take and then not be able to back it up. Tell Daniel, you're absolutely wrong. That caller was on the money. Daniel Jones certainly has won games for the Giants this year. Okay, so tell me the game. Well, I don't know off the top of my so What are we doing here? And why are we ending the show like this? I've got date night planned after. A wife will be going to see Wakanda forever, so I'm excited about that. we got to end on this note after a really good show. Come on. Two terrible phone calls. Daniel, like Daniel Jones has single. I, I've never heard anyone say that before. Are there Giant fans who feel this way? I don't think so. Daniel Jones has single-handedly won games for them this year. We're watching. We're watching. We're not watching the same games. We're not watching the same games. And by the way, here's checkmate for you. In games where Daniel Jones attempts fewer than thirty passes, the Giants are six and zero. In games where he attempts more than thirty passes, the Giants are one and four. How about that for single-handedly winning football games? Clown. I'll be back next Saturday. <laughs> Filling in for Gordon Dan. We're going 3.30 to 7 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. Shout out to the callers, the, the good ones, of course, the tweeters, and everyone who tuned in. Appreciate Julian and Chantel for handling things behind the glass. Islanders hockey is coming up next.
right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN.